0: hello this is harrison kim and you're listening to working with people by PaveStep. the working with people podcast is for executives managers and people leaders we bring people experts together to provide you with relevant content on how to think about and manage your most important asset your talent we have roy here with us today how are you roy good how about yourself I'm good. Where are you calling in from? I'm in Brooklyn, New York. Have you been there the whole time? Uh, No,
1: actually, I was fortunate enough to go out to Long Island for a little bit, but Mm. I've been back here since the end of summer.
0: Gotcha. So today we're going to be talking about how to retain the right talent, especially for smaller organizations. But before we do that, tell us who you are and what you do.
1: Sure. Great. I'll first start off by saying thank you for having me on your podcast. Appreciate it. So my name is Roy Yang. I'm the CEO and co-founder of of Giant Machines. It's a digital innovation team. So, you know, I'm a software engineer. Overall, really, I consider myself a creator and a builder. So I spend my days working with our team, helping our client partners solve their specific technology challenges, you know, while building our organization and our brand of culture, I like to think.
0: Gotcha. Perfect. So let's just dive right in. So why is it sometimes difficult or hard for organizations, particularly smaller organizations, to retain top talent? What have you experienced?
1: Being small, I'd say there are certain challenges, right? So we don't have the same track record as a larger organization, the prestige, the financial resources. So I would think people, especially in my industry in, in technology, right, they have the choice to work for large companies with benefits, well-funded startups, et cetera. So mm-hmm. early on, you have to decide, what your key differentiator is. If you can't sell that key differentiator and sell a potential employee on why they should join you, then why would they, right? So I think as a small organization, you need to really tout your advantages. You need to find like-minded people, like people that won't thrive at large companies and really paint a picture for what they'll get when they take that chance on you. So small organizations, right? So like, what have we experienced? Early on, we talked about, how can we compete with the Facebooks and the Googles of the world, right? So we started thinking through what we wanted, what I wanted when I was, you know, starting my tech career. We settled on like an accelerated growth path. We have people at our organization who went from, let's say senior to head to directors in the course of two to three years. Right. I think that there's also this idea of like direct access to leadership and mentorship that you just Mm -hmm. can't get at a large organization. In a small company, So much is really expected of you, but you can also get, I think, so much back in return. I've had people who are career changers who, in year one with us, right, they gave presentations to executives at Fortune 500 companies. And, you know, like, imagine that, right? It's like, how long would you have to work at a company before you had the opportunity to present to their C-suite or their, like, senior executive team? And you get to with us, right? So we think of that as our key differentiator as a small company, stuff like that.
0: And you want to bring it out in the best light as much as possible when you're recruiting and interviewing and all that good stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely, right? It's really in the interview process, like realizing that, that it is a conversation, that we authentically try to understand what someone wants out of the organization and see if there's a match, right? You know, I talk about this in sales a lot. We're not really selling as we are trying to find like-minded employees, like-minded clients, because that's where we'll do our best work.
0: Right, yeah, that absolutely makes sense. Yeah, I think a lot of small companies tend to make this recruiting thing very similar to a large organization where it's very process-driven, right? It's kind of like, okay, we've got the funnel at the top, we're going to get, you know, 10 applicants, and we're going to interview three people, and we're going to make one offer, and everything's going to be all good. This applies, of course, for big organizations, too. I think more and more, we need to be able to very clear on our, what you call differentiators. That's not just for our clients, it's also for our employees and what they care about. Hopefully, we we can fit that and match that.
1: Yeah, I think so. Because when you do match that, I do think that it's just a better experience for your employee, a better experience for the company. It just leads to much better outcomes. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So a study recently that I read found that about 20% of millennials say that they've changed jobs in the past year or so. Maybe this was a little bit outdated from a study perspective, given the COVID time last year. But it was much, much higher than non-millennials who report the same. And I'm sure it's similar to kind of the younger generation, Gen Z. Have you experienced that in your organization as well? When you work with, you know, the younger generation, you know, are they more difficult to retain? What have you seen?
1: I think generally speaking, yes, they are more difficult to retain, but like, let's think about this, right? So millennials, depending on what year it falls in, I am a millennial, right? So I am right on the very edge. If I think about my own experiences and why I left previous organizations as a millennial, right? I care like really deeply about the importance of what I do. So I question authority. You know, I speak truth to power. I think just as much about, what the organization can do for me as I think about what I can do for the organization. And I just don't think that that was a luxury back in the day, or I don't think that that was really the mindset. Think about it. Like back in the day, why were there pension funds? Because people stayed at an organization for 10, right. 15, 20 years. So it's now it's all defined contribution plans, 401ks, 403bs, you know, because people have job mobility, right? So, so like when you get back to what, I think millennials want and why they change jobs is because they have a specific set of things that matter to them. And it's really personalized, right? So so I think that you are willing to move jobs until you find the right fit. And then I think that when you do find the right fit, you have the same amount of loyalty and and the same amount of ownership as previous generations.
0: Right. So it's much more around... The the misfit of what was kind of offered, right, from a traditional corporation perspective versus what, you know, millennials really wanted, which have been changing since the previous generations.
1: If you ever watched Office Space, like that movie,
0: it's like a cult classic now.
1: That is what I think, you know, when I watch a movie like that growing up and we look at pop culture and you think about, like, individualism and you think about the explosion of the Internet and people Mm -hmm. being able to find, like, their own specific subculture, I think that that has just bubbled up to work, You spend anywhere from a third to somewhat portion of your waking hours at work. It's not something that you should be suffering through. It's something that you should be engaging with and and embracing. And I think that that is where that individualism from millennials and Gen Z, that's where it comes into play.
0: Yep. So what are some tactical strategies that you would recommend, especially for smaller companies, to improve intention? And related to that, how do culture and core values really help employees you know, want to stay at a company. Any thoughts there?
1: Sure. So to improve retention, and we think about this all the time, I would say, you know, be authentic, be transparent, like own your mistakes, grow from your mistakes. Mm -hmm. Everyone gets things wrong. And I think when you acknowledge your mistakes, when you welcome feedback and when you welcome different perspectives, it allows like good ideas to float to the top. And it creates this culture of ownership with you and your employees, right? So I I think that that's really important. It's like when we talk about the people that we work with, it's in the way that you even frame it. I work with someone, right? So, you know, they don't work for me. We work together. So I'd also say really, really think like deeply about the unwritten or or even the written agreement you have with your team at the simplest, right? So like, what is a job? You're exchanging labor for compensation, But I really do think that that's like the wrong way to think about it. What is the give and take? How do you create a path for your employees to help the organization grow? And then how do you in turn help the employees grow? You know, I think that if you as a company list out the ways in which you can help your employees grow in their role to the point where they quickly need a new role and they quickly need new titles, I think that is when retention really starts to take hold.
0: Right. Right. Got it. Obviously related to retention, the flip side of turnover. A lot of people think high turnover is always a bad thing. What are your thoughts? True or false? <laughs> I think it's more nuanced than that. I see. Okay. So there's a few quotes that, that
1: float around at work. My wife works at Spotify and she told me this and it really resonated with me. She said, the value of a company is the sum of the problems that you solve together, right? So that was uh, from Martin I think the co-founder of Spotify. So like, what does that mean? Right. So I think that, you know, when you think about the people that are with you from the very beginning, you think about all the hard and the intractable problems that you've solved together, it creates bonds. It creates experience, trust, history. Yeah. So turnover can really set that back. So, but I don't think necessarily turnover by itself is a bad thing, right? So as long as it's good turnover. So here's what I mean. Right. So, Chime Machines, right? So we're six years old. We've really grown tremendously over the last six years, right? So an organization is a living, breathing, organic thing, right? So like our priorities have changed. Right? How we work with clients has changed. How we interact with our team members have changed. How the you know the world has changed. So when you have turnover, every single new employee that comes on board is an opportunity to really guide your this new contributor toward like the new priorities of the company so mm-hmm. you know every new employee is an opportunity for someone to give you that fresh perspective and, and to join in let's talk about that in terms of like bad turnover or a different kind of turnover so like if your organization is changing and you have people that aren't changing along with you they're holding on to previous pieces of culture that you shed for this that or whatever reason yep whose values and goals have diverged from the company if they leave that's not necessarily a bad thing. So in that case, I think turnover can be very good for the organization.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. And I think even structurally speaking, there are organizations that have kind of like a great analyst program coming out of school and a lot of professional services and financial services firms do this. And they know that the expectation is, you know, half the class is going to turn over and do something really cool. And half will continue with us, whether it's internal or maybe even with our clients. Right. And the transparency is there and people kind of get a great experience out of it and kind of boost their career through that. So I've definitely seen the other side of turnover where it's, hey, it's kind of programmed, if you will, into the organization's uh, culture.
1: Yeah, totally agreed. We talk about Giant Machines as a career accelerator. You come here, give us two years. You're going to learn more in two years than you would, you know, four or five or six years somewhere else, right? Mm -hmm. So going back to sayings, like my co-founder, Frank, he says, and I forget where he borrowed this from, but he says, yeah, you know, there's a difference between 5 years of experience and 1 year of experience repeated 5 years in a row, right? So, right. we're always on the former where we're like we want to give you that experience. And then so assuming that people are then leaving for the right reasons, you're building an alumni network. If you do your job right as leaders of the organization, your employees are either going to be future leaders of your organization or future leaders of other organizations, and you'll be propagating your specific values into the world. And that's a good thing. Like, again, going back to the millennial question, no one is staying for 10 years, 15 years, you know, you want them to stay for five years, go somewhere else, succeed there, and then knock on your door and be like, hey, there's an opportunity to collaborate.
0: Right, absolutely. No, that makes a lot of sense. And that actually happened for me personally, in my previous role. So I know exactly how synergistic and productive that can be. It's a great uh, feeling. Love it. Yeah, No, it really is. It really is. Awesome. Well, those are all the you know more serious, big questions that I had. I had one fun one for you. What's one thing you can't wait for once this COVID pandemic and lockdown is all over? What's one thing you're looking forward to?
1: So that would be travel. I have a three-year-old and a six-year-old, and we like to travel, experience the world, right, mm-hmm. like see see other parts and, you know, for the last year that that's been gone. Even right now, like we still can't travel at least, you know, we personally like our, our experiences, but even starting to plan for what November and December and January Mm. looks like has been really exciting.
0: Where do you think you want to go?
1: I'm going to have to take some time uh, and go to Asia with the kids. My little one, I haven't taken him yet. And beyond that, I do think after, Oh, how long has it been 12 months of spending every day with our kids I'm going to take some time with my wife where we're hitting 10 years of marriage oh, congratulations. so we're to, thank you. We're going to go somewhere tropical and hopefully nice. without the kids and take kind of a break.
0: Nice. Yeah. Awesome. What about you? Travel is definitely on the top of my list as well. Where we want to probably actually go to Asia too. I mean that's going to be a little bit more tricky obviously given that it's you got to make sure everything's good on both sides and obviously countries have different Rollout plans and all that fun stuff and policies, but yeah, either Asia or actually even Australia. Australia is the country that I, I absolutely love, so hoping to get over there at some point. That's great. Awesome, thank you for your time, Roy. Where can the audience find you and your thought leadership?
1: They can go to giantmachines.com. They can check out our organization. No, so I guess I'll give a plug. Back in December, Giant Machines, you know, we're a small organization with 36 people. We won number one. Overall Place to Work in New York City by Cranes New York, and number five by Built-in NYC. So when you talk about these questions, when you think about culture, when you think about retention, when you think about professional growth, like that's really all we think about because we found that that is our secret to building a successful and sustainable organization and, you know, helping our client partners with their specific intractable problems.
0: Awesome. Everyone, thank you for listening to Working With People by PaveStep. Feel free to check out other episodes on pavestep.com slash podcast. Roy, thank you so much for your time. Great. Thank you,
1: Harrison.